Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and I, I try to do that a little bit different every time so it, it doesn't sound too repetitive, just that little intro thing. I don't know if it's just annoying to you, but I entertain myself just trying to have little intricacies in the way that I start out by saying the same thing every time. So, uh, yep, no, that one's different because I said all that. All right, <laughs> we today are jumping into a series of talks. Uh, we're calling it The Art of the Lament, and this is a series of talks walking through the book of Lamentations together. A couple months ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and uh, we uh, were kind of coming off as a community. We were coming off this series of talks that we did uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount, which was a good chunk of time. And then if you've been listening and following along, you know that we just wrapped a series of talks dealing with who we are and our target as a community, to be present, to be honest, to be open and love. And so a couple months ago, as I was planning and kind of thinking through this fall, we were just, I just was asking him, hey, what, you know, what, what do you think? Like, what should we talk about? And there's a guy that's out of town and doing some really, really beautiful work. And he brought up this idea of well, what would it look like to teach through the book of Lamentations? It's this Old Testament text that probably many of us have not really read. Uh, I definitely hadn't spent a lot of time studying it before. But then he also brought up this book that he had read and said that I should check it out. It's called Prophetic Lament, A Call for Justice in Troubled Times. And it's by a man named Soon Chan Ra. And um, I just got to say, I picked up the book, started to read it, and man, there was so much in this text that was so important and and profound for me that the minute I kind of jumped into it, it just clicked that this buddy of mine, who he typically does know this, he just knew what was going on. And it was one of those moments of, yes, this would be a good work for us as a community to do, to talk about this idea, the spiritual practice of the lament, and to walk through this text of lamentations together. Because all of us have dealt with, all of us have experienced brokenness, hurt, pain, mess, whether it's in our own personal lives, whether it's in the community around us or our country or the world, there's so much going on. And there's just this reality that many of us live in that we like regularly, every half hour, check our news feed, however we choose to get our news. And we're almost anticipating every time we touch that app that there's going to be some kind of tragedy, some kind of news headline that's going to cause our heart to break and cause us to question what is going on. So how do we deal with this and how are we supposed to process it? And it's easy to think that Christianity, because for some of us, we grew up with a narrative that Christianity is this invitation or this work to just be really happy and excited and joyful and praise the Lord kind of stuff all the time. And if you can't feel like that or can't say those things, then something's broken in you or something's wrong with your spirituality. And right at the heart of that idea and that concept is this book of Lamentations, is this ancient text of processing pain, brokenness, frustrations, and doubt. And so right at the center of this biblical narrative, this ancient spiritual practice, is the role of lamenting, processing brokenness. And so if we're going to be healthy, if we're going to be dealing with this stuff in a proper, good, Christ-like way, then I think for us as a community and individuals, we got to learn and we got to process what it means to lament. 
And so I, I don't say all that to say like, hey, so welcome to the CMYK podcast, because you're about to have like week after week after week of Debbie Downer here on the microphone, and I'm just going to make your life miserable. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, that's not it at all. The goal is not to bum you out. The goal is not to bum all of us out by talking about brokenness over and over and over and over again. I hope that your life is going great. I hope that you are able to find things and celebrate things and point at things that are just going swimmingly on every level. That's really my hope. But I think all of us, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, all of us can understand this is a part of our life, processing, lamenting. And what does this look like in a healthy way? And what do the scriptures, this text of Lamentations have to tell us? about it. So that's what we're going to do for the next couple weeks. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here and a part of this process and this conversation. And to do it, uh, I think that uh, before we jump into it, I need you to kind of put your imagination hat on, if you will. Do your best to picture this. Picture a world where you live in a country that has a belief system at the core of it, that this belief system is everything. This belief system is the best way to believe. It's the best, truest, most right way to go about your life. This is good belief. And your role, goal, job is to get everybody else to believe like you believe, to think like you think when it comes to the divine and the interaction of the divine and the world around you. This is the world that we must imagine. Imagine that you have a family system and dynamic, that you have an approach to the way things are structured as far as the home. And this is the best way to structure the home. And you look at other cultures and other people around you and you think, man, if more people could just structure their lives like this, if they had family dynamics and systems like this, everything would be better. Do your best, please, to imagine a world, a country, where you have a political system that you want to see the rest of the world have. It's the best, truest, most powerful, significant way to deal politically. And you as a country and your belief system, your family approach, and your political process are at the top of the world. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any truer. You, where you live, and how you believe, and how you're structured, is the envy of all the other countries. Can you do your best to imagine that? Because <laughs> for many of us, this is what America is. And then, in all of this belief, all of this family approach, all of this political power, imagine that it all comes crashing down everything, that your belief system no longer works, that the family approach and system that you had is now in shambles, and the, the political process, the government that was established that was once the shining city on a hill is now in ruins, and nobody is in power. This is where we find the book of Lamentations. We don't know exactly when it took place. We don't know exactly who 
wrote it. There's many scholars that point to this major prophet of Jeremiah, who wrote another major text within the Old Testament, and say that he has many, <coughs> excuse me, of the words associated with this text of Lamentations. But what we do know is that this is a book that came out of a history of a nation of people known as Israel. The Old Testament goes like this. There's, these formu- there's this formulation of the people of Israel that we find in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. These texts talk about the formation and structuring of this great people and their belief system, their family approach, and their political power. And then we see this rise to power by a guy named Saul. He becomes king, and they have this nation of Israel. Saul hands the reins to this King David, who is one of the greatest kings that have ever lived in Israelite history. He's the bomb on every level. And after a while, we see that there's political and family dynamical, dynamic like struggle. Things don't go very well. And this once great nation splits into two, but things are still okay. Things are still fine. They still have their belief system. They still have their family system. They still have their political government system. And then... Around the year 600 BC, we see that there's this moment when the people of Babylon come in and invade this nation, these Israelite people, it's now known as the nation of Judah, and they come and utterly decimate everything that they once held dear. They utterly decimate their belief system. They utterly decimate the way their family systems and structures had been set up, and they utterly decimate all of their political government processes and power. Everything is in shambles. And the city that they once believed in to be that thing shining on a hill that the rest of the world would look at and see, look how great and powerful and awesome this nation is. The city of Jerusalem is in ruins. And so here is this book that starts out, not, at af, not when before the war, not when things are every, everything is awesome and great, but after the war, after the crumbling of everything. And we see that this book of Lamentations is an interesting text for many different reasons that we're going to talk about over the coming weeks. But one of the interesting parts about it is that it's told in narrative form. In other words, it's characters in a play, if you will, that are giving their unique vantage points and thoughts on the ruins, on the rubble that's all around. We see that the first speaker to to write or to talk in this text, he's typically identified as a male. And we see in the first first half of chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, He's observing Jerusalem, the city on a hill, Jerusalem's desolation. He says this, this is verse 1, just listen to the weight of these words and how broken and messed up things are. He says, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who is great among the nations, she who is a princess among the province has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress.
this is a speaker that is looking at what's going on and these words carry this oh, this guttural what is happening this is the kind of text that it feels like you simultaneously don't have enough words to describe the pain that's going on and you have no words to describe the pain of what's going on this is so difficult to process and deal with these are the kinds of words that we find but then we find this second speaker the second voice and observer and this is a female voice and this female voice is jerusalem this city on a hill personified and listen to the weight and the intensity of her voice this is chapter 1 verse 12 she says is it nothing to you All you who pass by, look and see if there's any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high, he sent fire into my bones and he made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke by his hand and were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. He says, the Lord rejected all, all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. And she goes on and on and on with this weight and this pain and this wailing of, I cannot stand what's happening to me. It's this city, this belief system, this family dynamic, this political structure in ruins. And it's not okay, because this was once the most powerful thing on planet Earth, according to their narrative, and now it's nothing. One of the interesting things that's happening within this text in chapter one is not just that these two speakers are narrating back and forth, but there's actually these interruptive statements that take place where, where the male observer is looking at what's happening around the city, and then we see this female voice rise up in the middle of what he's saying. And this female voice, it's like she cannot bear it in her long, any longer, and she cries out in verse 9 in the midst of the male voice saying, See, O Lord, my affliction for the enemy has acted mightily. In other words, I can't hold this anymore. I can't just sit and watch you talk about this. I have to join my voice into this pain because I'm feeling this and I'm processing this and this is not okay. And there's a lot that's happening with this text. And there's a lot of weight and there's a lot of pain <laughs> that's going on here. And we're gonna, that's why we're going to spend weeks on it, because we got to process it and deal with a lot of the intricacies of this text. But I think if we're going to deal with lamentations and we're going to process what does it mean to lament and what's happening here, we need to simply start with this honest reality of here are two voices and two people that are watching and seeing the aftermath of incredible pain and incredible hurt. And the first thing that we see them do is they speak it out loud. It's an honest recognition of what's happened and what's currently happening. 
This, I think, is important. And the reason I think it's important because this is so much more than just seeing it or knowing that it's happened. I mean, many of us know of what's going on in the world. Many of us know what's going on with oppression, or many of us might know what's going on with racism, or many of us know what's going on with these different humanitarian injustices and crises that are taking place, even in our own backyard in many ways. We know of them. But we also know what it's like to sit down and have a meal with somebody, and the last thing that we're going to do is speak it. The last thing we're going to do is talk about it. That for many of us, we've been in these moments where there's rubble all around. There's hurt, pain, and brokenness. There's disagreement and all of these things. Sometimes it's years of broken down belief systems, broken down relationships and family dynamics, broken down political structures and ideals, and we just don't talk about it. And some of us, we just call that Thanksgiving. (laughs) We, We call that date night. We call it hanging out with old friends, where we're sitting at the table and we know, we know this is what's going on. This is what's happening. But the last thing in the world that many of us do is speak it. And I understand that there's a time and a place for lament, but... I think the most important thing that we got to understand in this whole process is that it starts with being able and being willing to just speak it, to say it out loud, not to just see it, not to just read about it, not to just know it, but there's something in these voices speaking and bringing words to their pain and brokenness and the injusticeness, injusticeness, the injustice of what they've experienced. This is so important. Because we, 2017 as Americans, we live in not a culture of speaking it. We live in a culture of denial. We live in a culture where we spend $62 billion a year on something called makeup, cosmetics. On top of that, we spend $13 billion a year on something called plastic surgery. These giant systems that are in place for us to spend our money so that whatever's really going on with our skin, whatever's really going on with our body, we have the ability to hide and to cover it up. There's a reality to our bodies that they are, again, not trying to be Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer, but they are dying. And there's this process of life that's natural, that's a part of who we are and what it means to be human. And we, as a culture, are not okay with looking that in the face and speaking about it. We don't know what to do with death. And we're constantly looking for ways to avoid, deny, and change the subject when difficult, hard, painful things come up, when there's rubble around us. We just stuff it, we don't talk about it, we find a giant area rug and we work to stuff it there, hoping that we don't have to deal with it for a long, long time. And in many ways this makes sense, because you'll talk to counselors or therapists, psychologists, and they'll speak that the typical response to trauma is to work to ban it from our consciousness. It's what we do naturally. If something's difficult, we work to bury it. A couple weeks ago, I, 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 a couple months ago now, I was having 
at a meeting. There was a really important meeting because there was something pretty traumatic that was happening in the life of this family. And, and I was just sitting at the table with this family and this news was being shared to someone that it was going to impact them the most, the trauma of what was happening. And so we kind of all get around the table to be support for her. And we look her in the eye and say, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. And you could tell in an instant, you could just feel it and sense it in the room that she had no clue. She was oblivious to the reality of what was taking place. And so all of us in the room feel this weight and feel this tension of, I'm so sorry that we have to deliver this news to you, but this is reality. And this is what's going on. I, I wanted to run out of that room because it was uncomfortable. And so we speak these things and there's this moment, like a couple seconds where she's just like all of these things have to be happening in her head and her heart. There's pain and there's hurt and there's anger and there's questions, all of these things all at once coming because we're delivering this bad news to her. And I start to ask the question, just saying, hey, would you be willing to just say, what's going on here? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you mad at us? Are you mad at somebody? Like, let's just be honest. What's going on with you? Because this is a blow that you've been dealt. And before I could even finish the question, this guy at the table says, can we just pray? And stops everything that was happening. Stops this honest conversation that was about to take place. And starts to pray this prayer of God, you're so good and we love you so much and we have hope for the future and this is a good thing and you have great plans for things, all of this stuff. And then says amen and created this overtone and this undertone <laughs> in the room that we're not going to deal honestly with what just took place. We're just going to pray and pretend it's going to be okay. And I haven't been angry like I was angry in that room in a long, long time. Because for me, there was a lament that needed to happen. But there, there was this thing called Christianity, this thing called prayer, that was used not as a tool to actually deal with this stuff, but used to distract and avoid the reality of what's going on. Christianity that is not lamenting has lost the healthy part of what this spirituality was always meant to be. At the center of this text of the Bible is this book that says and invites us to speak honestly with what's going on. What's fascinating about this text of Lamentations is in the midst of a Christian culture that wants to distract, wants to avoid, or wants to pretend like it's all going to be okay, there is actually, within this book of Lamentations, there is no voice of God at all. There's no moment when God shows up and says it's going to be okay and it's all right. There's no resolve here. There's no moment where Jesus comes back miraculously. It's just five chapters of people speaking out loud what's really going on. 
And so there has to be something. If we see any value in the text of Scripture, there has to be something in us that says, okay, this is a part of healthy spirituality, to just deal honestly with, this sucks, this is painful, look at this brokenness, look at this belief system that's broken down for me, look at this political system that's broken down for me, look at this family system and structure that's broken down for me, look at this injustice, look at what's happening here, and then we just talk about it, and we speak about it, and we don't try to pretend like everything's going to be okay, so it's going to be fine, or we don't try to inject a voice of God when it seems like, and it's apparent that there is none present in that moment. It's just naming and owning up to what's really going on. To say it's not fine, and it's not okay, and it hurts, and to even use language like we see used in Lamentations, you heard it from the female narrator. God, you're the one that's done this. To bring accusations to, to, to the divine and to God in ways that we feel like accusations need to go. This is not okay. And this matters. Because it's the first step in lament. And it helps us begin to actually deal with the things that we typically have a tendency to just gloss over, shove under the rug, and deny, I'm fine, I'm okay. It's no big deal. It's not a problem. When the reality is, it is a problem. There's rubble. There's brokenness. There's pain. There's injustice. We've got to talk about it. And so this causes me to ask the question, for you and for me, how many friendships would be better if we could just take this first step of talking about it? How many marriages and relationships would be better? Again, maybe there's rubble around and there's things that are going on and there's hurt and pain and brokenness. There's loss of trust, whatever it is. There's a broken down belief system or family dynamic. But it's not just both knowing that it's there. It's not just seeing it. It's talking about it. It's naming it owning it, bringing words to it. How many offices, how many families have the potential to be better? If we're going to truly lament the brokenness and pain in our lives and in the world around us, we have to at least be able to talk about it and not live in this culture of denial. And so as as simple as that might sound, this is our first step as a community, to simply talk about it. What are the injustices? What are the pains? What are the problems? What are the broken down belief systems and structures or political systems and structures or family, whatever it is, what's the rubble that you're walking around and you are either the narrator of this male voice, this observer of man, Look at all of this desolation. Look at all of this pain. My heart breaks. And there's this kind of moment that you're feeling and experiencing because you're seeing what's happening around you. That you name it. You own it. Or for some of us, how many of us, like the female voice, we would personify this brokenness and pain and say, look at what's happened to me and what's going on with me. Can I encourage you to just speak it?
Find somebody. And if you don't have anybody, if nobody comes to your mind, may we as a CMYK, CMYK community be this kind of community and be this kind of space where we can lament and where we can speak these things together. And it's the same kind of work and practice that we see in lamentation, Lamentations. That it's not jumping to some kind of magical, mystical prayer that it's going to be all okay. It's not trying to deny It's not trying to say that there's something wrong with who you are because there's brokenness. It's not trying to say, it's not trying to attack anybody, but it's just trying to be honest with where we really are and what's really hurting us and where we see hurt and pain around us. This is good and this matters. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important that when we gather on Sundays, if you've ever come before, you know we, we have this moment. People call it the Eucharist or communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. It's this moment of breaking bread, sharing a cup, and in that is this picture of Christ's body broken and his blood shed. That at the center of this story and at the center of this invitation of Christ is brokenness, hurt, and pain, and that we remember this together and we enter into it together as a community. There's a reason that we all come to the same table together and we all share of the same bread, share of the same cup, because your brokenness as a community, the church was always designed to say, your brokenness is a part of my brokenness. The rubble that you're walking around is rubble that I'm walking around as well, and that we would be a community that can just do this first work and speak it. Because the truth is, if we don't at least speak it, yes, we can shove it, and yes, we can put it under a rug all we want, but this pain and hurt, it goes somewhere. And typically, it will express itself somehow in a sideways manner that is just bringing more hurt and more pain and more brokenness. So our hope, our prayer, and our belief for spaces like the CMYK community, spaces like our meals gathering around the city throughout the week, are spaces where we can just speak it, name it, own it. This is what's happening. There is injustice. There is a problem with this. And that we don't jump to conclusions and we don't jump to fix everything. We just hear each other speak in this narrative form similar to what this book invites us to do. I love you. And I really do hope that your life is good. I really hope that. But I also hope that as we continue to grow and shape and form this thing called the CMYK community, that we understand this role of the lament in the midst of all of it. If there's anything we can do for you, if you're looking to just lament with somebody, may we be a community in a space where that is found. So get a hold of us on Facebook. Get a hold of us through Twitter. Get a, get a hold of us through email, whatever it is. Let us, or come to our Sunday gatherings. That's going to be the best space, honestly. But let us be a space where we can see this practice lived out. It's part of what we're going to be doing the next few weeks. Love you. We'll talk to you very, very soon.